0: All right, so I'm going to just go right into the talk, a short talk, for about 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have a break and then come back for some small group discussions. So this month we're exploring Donna, or generosity, is a Pali translation of Donna's generosity. And often we think of it or we talk about it in response to uh, teacher support, teacher livelihood, our organizational livelihood. And certainly those Dharma organizations and Dharma teachers really depend on people's generosity in the form of dhana. And we want to also expand this concept of dhana to include generosity in all its different ways. And how it actually becomes a very helpful practice point for how we engage in our lives. How we actually engage in the details of Our interactions, our relationship to others, we're coming from a place of closeness or scarcity or a sense of open heartedness and generosity. A famous quote from the Buddha He says, That if beings knew, as I know, the results of giving and sharing, they would not eat without having given, nor would the stain of selfishness overcome their minds even if even if it were were their last bite, their last mouthful, they would not eat without having shared if there was someone to receive their gift right so this this sense of the importance of generosity, that attitude that the Buddha spoke to now generosity is one of those words that I don't know if in the Buddhist time people were just selfish, and there wasn't many people who were kind of overextending themselves and you know, giving too much of themselves. But you don't see that coming out in the same way in the suttas. And so that's kind of almost the shadow side of generosity, that we have to include awareness of ourself in relationship to that. Like with, with uh, Donna for the teacher or for this organization, one of Joseph Goldstein's simple pithy guidance was to give without regret. Right? So if you give in a way that overextends yourself, there's regret from that. If you give in a way that is a little bit more close-hearted, there's regret with that. Another sutta, the Buddha actually does speak to this, that giving with integrity. You know, how does someone give with integrity? A person who, a person of integrity gives a gift this way. These five, a person of integrity, Gifts. Which five? A person of integrity gives a gift with a sense of conviction. A sense of uh, being attentive. A sense of being in season. A sense of empathetic heart. And also, the last one, a person of integrity gives a gift without adversity affecting himself or herself or others. So these five elements are also important parts of, of how do we give with integrity. That we pay attention as we're doing it. We actually have a sense of connection with the other person. There's a sense of conviction behind that act of giving. It's in season. There's a sense of timing, timeliness around it at the right time. And there's also this quality of giving without adversely, adversely affecting yourself or others. Some of these questions came up in the discussion last week around generosity, because when I hear that first quote about, you know, if you didn't, if you knew what I knew about generosity, you would never let a meal go without giving. Sometimes that feels like a heavy lift when you're really overextended, when you're exhausted, when you already feel like you've given so much away, and you're just really depleted. And I think many of us can relate to that, that experience. And so having that sense of also being aware of our own needs, our own limitations, and you know, how can we care for ourselves equally. Now, generosity is a great uh, practice vehicle because it's an actual action that we can know whether we did it or not. Right? I can know if I gave something out of generosity if I actually acted on it. Now, with any kind of action, there's also the initial kind of pre-action stuff that goes on in our minds, in our hearts. You might you know, recognize that there's this opportunity to be generous, and then we can notice what comes up with that. Like, oh, I don't want to maybe give that person that thing, or maybe I, I feel like I should, but I don't really want to. Or maybe there's just a, a very open-hearted sense of wanting to share and then there's the actual act of doing it. You know, our, giving Our our intention gets lined up in the act of, of choosing to be generous or choosing not to be generous. To actually notice what is that like, the action or non-action. What comes up in the midst of that? So it becomes a way of, of bringing our insight into practice, a sense of inquiry into that very action of, of giving or choosing not to give. And then there's the echoes after the act echoes of what's it? What's kind of percolating in my system after I gave or chose not to give. And this is really a heart of what the homework was last week, is just to bring more awareness to these choice points of being generous or not generous. That's interesting from the outside, we can look at the same act of, of giving something, and it can come from a very different intentionality. A very different place in ourselves. Sharon Salzberg used to give this example that, you know, she used to come many times to Seattle every year and then she wrote a number of books. So she gave this example that if I had a a book to give to someone, I could give it in different ways. I could call them up in front of all these people and say, here's this gift. Right? And so it's kind of showing everyone, look how generous I am. Look how, you know, kind I am. You know, maybe it's the sense of if I give you this gift, then maybe you'll be a little nicer to me or <laughs> you'll do something for me in return. Right? Or the gift can be given in a way that's much more quiet and low key. And so the point of, of her little story, she often gave these little stories, is just to notice what's going on behind this whole act of giving. What is really going on in, in the system or in the mind? And the heart and the thoughts, the self-beliefs. Right? And especially if there's a sense of like I should give, even though I may may not be the wisest thing for me, that's also really essential to bring into your awareness, to actually be aware of that, that pressure that pulls you toward that, that tries to convince you into giving it in away. It may not be so helpful. So ideally by Exploring it in this way, we start to kind of free up our baggage around giving. We start to learn how to have kind of appropriate giving, how to give in a place of of integrity that doesn't overextend ourselves and yet also honors the insistent interconnection. Gil Fronsdale, uh, a great teacher down in California, who I gave a, a suggested reading in the last week's homework, as this little quote about Dana. At its most basic level, Dana in the Buddhist tradition means giving freely without expecting anything in return. The act of giving purely out of compassion or goodwill or the desire for someone else's well-being. Perhaps Dana is more about how we are than what we do. Through generosity, we cultivate a generous spirit. Generosity of spirit will usually lend to generosity of action. But being a generous person is more important than any particular act of giving. After all, it is possible to give without it being a generous act. It's possible to give without it being a generous act. So this, so many things in this, this this ask this this little quote here but it's like maybe it's more what we are or how we are versus what we actually do i think sometimes we get kind of hung up on that what the outcome is or what the ex- external expression of that generosity we compare ourselves to others we think oh i should be giving more or i should be giving as much as that person this is one of the questions that used to get a lot <clears throat> before i became a teacher but I was helping out, you know, running different things at Sims. People will come up to me and kind of ask in a, in a quiet voice about teacher Donna, Like, well, how much should I really give? What's, what's appropriate? You know, what's, what's the, the dollar amount? Because we have like a suggested donation for events like tonight is like $5 or day long is like $30 or a, Residential, non-residential is like $90. There's all these different amounts which are suggested. No one's turned away for inability to pay, which I really value that. But for teacher Donna, we don't say what's suggested. We don't give any input around it. And that's the, that puts us back into that sense of, well, how do I compare? How do I know if it's enough? You know, what is, what's the right amount? And really the answer is there is no right amount. It really varies on each person, each person's own means and their situation and, you know, their capacity, you know, whatever it might be. So a little bit is welcome, a lot is welcome. They both have this, this, as a teacher anyway, I hold that very equally. And so it's the same thing with Gil was talking about. It's less of
1: the action or what the action actually is, but more the spirit behind that. Another quote from the Samyutta Nikaya
0: Some provide from the little they have. Others who are affluent don't like to give. An offering given from what little one has is worth a thousand times its value. So that sense of generosity, just connecting with that to notice, you know, and that for me, it's often there's that edge point of I could choose to not be generous in this moment. And it might be really, Not a big choice. It might be just choosing to, I see the person offering real change and I kind of go the other direction. (laughs) Or I choose to go by them and actually make eye contact with them, to actually connect with them. And these little acts of generosity, if you pay attention to them, if you really start to let them in, they have a way of starting to transform us. Right. So simple things like Two people are coming together into the grocery line. And you say, go ahead. That's an act of generosity. But notice what that feels like. Also notice when you kind of push ahead and put your head down and just get in front of the person because you're busy or you're, your schedule is more important, obviously, than anything they might have to do with their lives. Right? There's assumptions that come up. And you start to feel, okay, one feels actually good actually start to relax. My heart starts to open. I feel that sense of connection. The other one, I feel that sense of separation and maybe empowerment in a short way, but it's also at a lot of
1: cost by feeling distant and separate. So paying attention to these small ways. How do we act in a generous way? So the tools of practice really help us
0: start to notice all that. You know, meditation, mindfulness meditation, is not designed to stay just on the breath. Right? The breath is a great tool, uh, training ground. It helps us learn to study your attention, to notice the nuances of experience, to have a way of being undistracted in our minds, to be collected in our mind. All of those qualities are meant to be turned toward Something like an act of generosity. An act of whether we choose to be generous in this moment or not. And what's all that's elicited? What are the emotions? What are the sensations of the body and beliefs? You know, what's the, that impulse to act or to not act? Mindfulness almost lets all that be, start to be seen. It slows it down, creates space around it so you can start to see, oh, there's all these things that are rising. And we get to also notice the effects of our actions. The effects internally, and also the effects externally. As I choose to uh, be generous in this moment, and it's really coming from a pure, kind place, people respond to that. You know, other times when we're acting in a way that's not so, uh more, more self-centered or more isolated, that also has its effects. So we start to see why the Buddha would often start people when they practice, not with a meditation like we tend to do in the West, but actually with the, the practice of dhana, the practice of generosity. Because when we practice generosity, we naturally go beyond our self-centered perspective. We actually start to notice that I'm actually on a spaceship here called the Earth. I get to know my actions affect others. And I can act in very small ways and very quiet ways, but those generous ways, if they're generous, start to really transform our, our mind, start to transform our heart. That combined with the generosity that comes from non-harm, through ethical conduct, ethical behavior. We start not harming in the same way. We start to become aware of our actions. So both of these, generosity, and also kindness, kind actions, non-harm, really work together to help create this tremendous foundation for our practice to grow. And from there, things are really ripe to going into insight practice, into mindfulness practice, because we're already internally much more quiet, much more connected with ourselves and with others, and the mindfulness can then grow. So for different reasons in our our culture, we tend to go go the other way around. We start with practice and then go into generosity and and ethical behavior later. But that's what these three months are about as we explore that. So in a a minute or two, we'll take a little break, and then we'll come back and have a chance to explore just what have you observed around those choice points of, of generosity, of interconnection. in your own life, and hear other people's.
1: All right, so let's just sit quietly for a moment or two let those words settle. Okay, so we'll take
0: a five-minute break. And uh, just again to call your attention to Donna, the support of of myself as a teacher and all the other teachers here and also for Sims. Here in the room we have a basket back there that you can put the old-fashioned cash in or you could do electronic means. And then online, Jackie already put a little link in there. So we'll come back in five minutes at 8.05 and then we'll do some small group discussions. All right, thank you. Okay, welcome back. So in a minute, I'll have you break up into groups of four to five people. And this is a good number because it allows the discussion to to go pretty smoothly. And in these groups... Try to monitor how much you speak. You know, so if you tend to speak a lot, maybe hold back a little bit so you can kind of keep taking into mind the rest of the groups, uh, maybe some people a little bit shyer to speak. In other words, have a generous attitude toward it. You know, a generous attitude, okay, how much have I taken up? And maybe I'll hold back. And the other side of it, if you tend to be a little shyer, you don't like to share as much, maybe be generous by actually sharing of yourself. Sharing of your your ideas and your your insights, your your understanding. So the topic will be: you know, How have you noticed that choice point of being generous? What has come up for you around that? So maybe you did the homework, or maybe you didn't. But I think you can all connect with that. Just how it feels, maybe really good when you are generous, and maybe not so good. And you know, maybe give a concrete example we are hold everything that's said in these groups confidentially so you can just feel free to to speak in a way that's uh, you can relax with that. And the groups are really not about giving people suggestions or ideas, but just really sharing your own direct experience. All right, so does that make sense? Any questions about that? Yeah, so bring special attention to the small choices to practice generosity. Things like letting someone in line before you or offering the last bit of food. And notice what arises before, during, or after decisions you make to be generous or not to be generous. What do you learn? What do you learn? All right, so those um, online, we'll put you into groups of four to five. And those here in person, go ahead and self-select. We'll do this for about 20 minutes. I'll ring a bell when five minutes are up or to go
1: so you can wrap up your conversations. Okay, thank your partners and coming back to the larger group.
0: so it looked like it was a nice conversation. So we have a chance now for any sharing or questions you might have, and I can try to engage with those. Uh, those online, you're welcome just to raise your virtual hand, and we'll call on you. Or if you want to raise your physical hand, just keep it up, because it might take a while for us to see it. And those in person, if you could raise your physical hand, and we have a mic over here so they can hear you
1: online. Okay, Jen, go ahead. Okay, hang on, a s- hang on a second. We gotta get you permission to unmute.
0: Okay. We should only hear it now. She also has permission to unmute. Okay, go ahead now. Try Jen. Okay. <laughs>
2: You know, that story that uh, Joseph Goldstein tells about when he was in the um, staying in a monastery in I don't know, you know, Nepal or whatever. And um, and then he was he was everybody was it was really cold and everybody had two blankets on their bed and his bed. He noticed there was three blankets on his bed and he was like feeling really lucky that he had those three blankets on his bed and so he was sleeping and then at some point in the middle of the night somebody came in and they only had one blanket for that person and then everybody was like hey does anybody have an extra blanket and joseph goldstein did not say a word he just kept silent the whole he did not he just kept those three blankets and that other person he was so cozy and warm he didn't want to give up those any of those blankets. And he, he talks about how he just lives with that memory, you know, like that moment of just shame of just, you know, not being generous in that moment. So that kind of reminded me of some, some stories that were shared. And I, and I thought about that and I, I thought, you know, it's, it's really, you know, to think about those moments where we're generous, but, you know, we really don't want to talk about those times when we were, you know, being being a schmuck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Thank you for for bringing up that story. Yeah. It's it's there's there's uh, there's decisions they can stick with us for a long time, can't they? That okay. Well, I really, I can feel that in the moment. It feels so obvious that I want to keep myself warm and cozy. But you know that probably if he was generous, that maybe wouldn't have stuck in the same way. And so this is why, with generosity, we also have to bring that sense of compassion to ourselves. And also, it's interesting because there's both compassion, but also that sense of kind of um, you know being really honest with ourselves and being willing to kind of push ourselves in ways that perhaps you know, if we're not naturally generous in that state, okay, maybe I need to step up and, and you know. In some way, there's really no right answer, but as long as we're aware of it and we're present for it and we're learning from that. And that, you know, that story from Joseph definitely, I think we can all have our versions of that. And we just did not raise our hand. We did not own up that we had an overabundance of blankets or whatever it might be.
1: (laughs) All right. What else is out there in the, in the zoom realm or? In the room itself.
0: It's interesting, there's different kinds of silences. Sometimes there's a silence of peace and there's a silence of something else. Go ahead, Greg, come on up.
3: Something the instructor knows well. Our little group we talk generally about how complicated uh, the concept of generosity is. That and you've touched on it. Tim was was the different motivations that make people do this. Do do this. The, the appearance of generosity, which may not be the which may not be generous. Mm-hmm. And with and even just taking the story we just heard, you can you have all these. Things going on in your head that may get you there, may get you to do the act, right? And you're saying, look at what the act, uh, look at this, the precursor, right? which is, to me, uh, looking at my own acts and non-acts, is you really, it seems to me, you really have to know yourself mm. in this realm by applying the awareness and the consciousness, because I never thought much about it before I came here. Um, but like even the example of like I didn't give up that third blanket, and there he is, what years later, thinking, well, what was the deal? Why would you know? Why would I do that? And it's it's like he's a different person later on, seeing that he should have. That's right. Yeah. Right. And so you've you've got all these moving parts going on apparently in your head that you it's very difficult to get the clarity. What you should have done back then, you, you regret it, or the clarity on whether, yeah, I'm 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 given this thing, money, effort, whatever, and is it for the right reasons, hmm. right? And if you you figure out, you know, well, we, we one of our examples was, uh yeah, I did this thing, and then I'm realizing that nobody else saw me do it. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know that, <laughs> I know that one. So it, it, it really is a lot of different stuff that, you know, I, I can't fault him for not giving up his third blanket because maybe he didn't understand at the time the ramifications of where he was coming from and why he didn't have a more compassionate heart at that time. But somehow he ends up regretting it and live and learn is really where you should be on that. Address. That's right. But, but, but I think it's incredibly complicated and has a lot to do with From what I'm hearing, it has a lot to do with do you know yourself well enough Hmm. to make sure that what you're doing is born of the generosity and not some ego, you know, feeding that sometimes happens. Like, give me the million dollar check at the podium, right? Big room, which is like, you know, suspect in my humble opinion. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where we were focusing a little bit on our
0: our little group. Yes, all the the complexity of it, all the, the different moving parts. Yeah, it's absolutely. If we pay attention, we start to see that. And with like Joseph's st- story that um, that Jen just shared, it's interesting because if you had just given that blanket, it would be like, no, there wouldn't be a story really. A story. And so, but that also kind of mirrors what we can really take away because because often in the moment you know, we don't have enough clarity to really know what's the right choice whatever that means right and there's also there's a relative rightness to it because <clears throat> the rightness of an action i did 20 or 30 years ago is going to be different rightness today with my my growth and my insight and my hopefully my heart is more connected so it's kind of a higher standard if you will so we can reflect on our past actions and if we can do it in a way that doesn't kind of reinforce that shame but a sense of guilt, but more like, Oh wow, isn't that curious that you know I made the best choice I could in the time? and yeah, it was maybe selfish choice or maybe it was overextending my choice. but if we kind of explore that, then we actually learn from it, and so the next time something comes up like that, we actually have more clarity, like this story that Joseph you know shared i mean it just suddenly if you haven't heard that story before. And it kind of amplified the good that's come out of that. It's like, wow, that's you know how that... I'm sure Joseph talked more about just his own um, struggle around that and the shame around that, you know, that would arise. And so learning how to, to reflect upon our actions that we learn from it and we take it as motivation to act in a different way in the future without going down that kind of guilt, shame, contraction. Another story from from Joseph, he was on a retreat and his teacher saw that he was kind of having a hard time. And his teacher said, okay, go to your room and reflect on your ethical conduct. All right? So a lot of us, if we have heard that assignment, will we reflect on all the good stuff we've done or all the bad stuff we've done. All right? So he was going through all the bad things he's done and just... He got more and more depressed. Well, the teacher really wanted him instead to reflect on the good that he's done, to brighten his mind. You know, so that's that's such an important thing. If you have any kind of this, whatever we want to call it, this Western conditioned self-loathing or self-guilt or inadequacy, that really tends to color the way we explore things, the way we see things, the way we interpret it. So I think it's so helpful to have an eye to that as we're exploring something like, okay, I chose to to not be generous in that moment. You know, can I actually notice where is it where perspective was really coming from to make that choice? What was the the sense of of isolation or contraction or scarcity or disconnection or whatever it is? But if I could see that without judging myself, then I can learn more from it. But if I use that to judge myself, then it really becomes a little counterproductive. Yeah. And that way it starts to become simpler and simpler, right? All this complexity starts to boil down to, am I coming from a place of of closeness or openness? Am I a place of, of balance or overextended? You know, am I coming from a place of reinforcing that sense of self? Like, look at me giving you this million dollar check. Or a sense of just it doesn't matter if anyone knows I did this or not, yeah, so in some ways it actually becomes clearer and clearer <laughs> yeah, we just and and just paying attention allows that clarity to rise.
1: all right, what else is out in the room online or in person? Okay, go ahead, Kat. Hi. um, I was just contemplating
4: maybe the relationship between um, being generous and learning to accept generosity. Mm -hmm. And if you could
1: speak a bit on that. Yeah, that's a great um, great juxtaposition
0: around that. You know, how do we receive generosity you know one way that we sometimes explore this is with metta that we offer offer metta you know you can think of it as a form of generosity like when we metta toward the benefactor or the friend and one way we sometimes play with it is now imagine that metta coming back toward you the person you're offering metta to now is offering that to you and sometimes we can we can really see in clarity like oh wow, I just I don't feel like I deserve that I want to push that away or Want to hold hold that stuff away, and so it's it's much of a practice as as the act of yourself being generous is that receiving generosity. You know, what do you do? What's the sense of, of when you first acknowledge, acknowledge that? What do you? What's the first words out of your mouth? As I shared last week, you know, for years I would have this conditioned response. If someone offered something to me, I would say, "Are you sure? You know, are you sure you want to give that to me?" And it was really coming from a place of feeling like I didn't deserve that, right? So I've learned how to just kind of let that voice, you know, it, it still arises, but if I don't put my energy into it or my belief into it, I can actually just, okay, let me receive that. Let me trust that sense of connection. So it's also a very fruitful thing. It's like, okay, how could I receive that generosity? How do I let it kind of come into my heart into You know, feel that sense of support, that sense of being cared for. And, you know, of course, generosity isn't always given in a pure way. Sometimes it's a mixed generosity. So sometimes we pick up on that. You know, maybe someone's overextending themselves or they just can't say no or they give too much. So there's, there's, like like Greg was saying, it is complex. And we just pay attention to that. We notice what our... Kind of condition responses, what our habit of mind is, and a good rule of thumb is practice doing a little differently than that. You know, if you're really kind of donate, receive, practice receiving and see what that's like. Does that help Kat or there's anything else
1: around that? Thank you. Thanks for that question. Alright, anyone else like to ask or share anything? Yeah, do you mind coming up? What, what Kat
5: said just made me think of something that I wanted to quickly share. Uh, when monks uh, go out on alms rounds, um, I heard a monk say that that was, that was their form of generosity because by receiving, they're letting the lay people practice their generosity, and that in and of itself is a gift. And I think that's that's pretty cool because if you ever had a really nice moment being generous, you really notice that giving can be much nicer than than being given to. Um, it can really be like a really fulfilling experience. Like your your heart really just like blooms and you feel you feel really amazing. Um, and so when when you're receiving something in a way that lets someone have that experience you're giving them that experience you know and you're letting them have that so it's kind of nice too you're like oh this person felt good because he gave you know so i feel like i gave <laughs> because i let them give to me you know so receiving receiving is a gift because giving is a gift so um, so i think in general it's like it's two people kind of doing the same thing. Uh, I don't think there's a huge separation between receiving and giving when you realize, you know, how much, how much you get from giving. So I just wanted to share that, Kat. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Yeah, that's a nice uh, reflection
0: that yeah, generosity starts to become this. Yeah, you can just see that there. That circle, circle of you know, whether who's getting more out of it, it's like it's it's hard to say sometimes. Sometimes it's really, you know, the act of being available to be generous is actually let someone's heart come out, and it's yeah, I start to see how it's really just this this con- constant cycle of giving and receiving, receiving and giving. It's really not that. In some ways, it's not any difference between them.
1: So thank you for sharing that.
6: All right, Gene,
1: go go ahead.
6: Um, I'm aware that there's a sort of a hierarchy in uh, generosity in my life, in my experience. Um, there's uh, spiritual generosity. If you were, and you and I were to come into conversation and I would detect uh, an emotional need such as loneliness, uh, grief, um, s- some sort of distance between yourself and other people, the generosity would bubble up out of me as though it were an artesian well. It would not have a, a, a division or a direction or a Oh, any way to shut off the flow it's just there and in the physical uh, generosity that's something that's very easy for me to do uh, for instance if I come to a sit at Sims carrying the Zebutons and the Zafus up from out of the basement so that people can use them, arranging chairs uh, serving at the food bank. Those are physical forms of generosity that are really powerful, but that's like on a different level. There's a, a fairly large step down. Hmm. And then there's a financial um generosity. And for some reason, I've heard these are two social factors that might be at play in my life. I'm the child of farmers. Um, My mom and my dad were raised on the farm, and they were also parents. They were people who suffered through the Great Depression in the 20s. And I'm not sure quite how that plays out in my life. I'm certain that I got taught some lessons about giving and, and money and control of it. And I find that I am the most constricted and reserved in that zone. And I, I don't know what to make of it. It's just maybe I'm saying that's who I am. And maybe I don't know the answer to what's going on, but I'm just aware of those factors.
1: Yeah, thank
0: you Gene. Yeah, that's I think it is you know, the bottom line is just to be aware of that and become curious about okay, this is interesting how I there's that kind of artesian well that just this force coming out of me in some carry areas and other areas is just much more restricted. And I think generosity also has a relationship to our own sense of inner abundance, our own sense of of fullness and that's i think that's an interesting thing to also track and maybe we'll explore that next week because we can have that you know perhaps that sense of that emotionalness that sense of emotional care maybe there's such a big sense of sufficiency in your own heart that it naturally comes out you know it's like okay there's there's plenty of this to give i don't i don't feel like i'm depleted in any way <clears throat> by giving that Okay, and then the physical acts, you know, maybe, you know, if we had you bring up 250 safus, you might, you know, it might switch from generosity to to resentment to laying on the ground with your back out. You know, it might switch around like that. And, excuse me, people who went through some really times of scarcity, like, you know, our country went through in the depression, it really changed people. You hear about the same thing with people who went through the second war, there, and different, you know, wars that happen now, there's a sense of, of real lack. There's not, not that kind of the normal lack that we sometimes just grumble about, but really, you just don't know where your food's going to come from. You don't know where things are going to happen. That really, that, it's hard to give from that place, you know, when your own survival is, is, is at stake. So, yeah, it makes sense that that, that kind of came through in there. And so playing with that sense of, even if, that sense of abundance, even if you have only, um, let's say you have $10 extra, you know, how do you, can you give that in a way that's really kind of a, a princely gift, you know, that sense of like, let me share this with you in a way that's so, it can feel very generous. So you can play with that, that sense of, of abundance, that sense of scarcity, that sense of lack, and I think that's a, A really helpful thing for all of us to explore, you know. And I think it's, and also to realize that it's conditioned, right? It changes. You know, if I'm well rested and I feel, you know, like my life is going well, I can have a lot of energy, a lot of things to share. If someone, you know, has a question or something, but if I'm depleted, I haven't been sleeping well, I'm working a lot. Sometimes there's not as much of that capacity, that artesian well. Isn't, isn't feeding myself, so I can't give that so freely. So it's, there's a lot of nuances to this. And the less we can judge it as what is right or wrong, but more be curious about it, then that allows that wisdom to start to grow. And that wisdom is really what we're, we're all about. And compassion is just a, another image, another side of that, that wisdom. Thank you. Thank you, Jean. All right. These are great questions. It helps to round out the topic, help us to engage with it. That's really what's important, is that it's not about hearing some teacher share what they think. It's really about you seeing for yourself. How does it come alive in your own practice, in your own experience?
1: Anyone else like to generously put their, their, their words out into the room. All right. Go ahead, Emery. Um, yeah, I just wanted to
4: add on to what Jean said um, because a realm that we talked about in my small group in terms of scarcity or abundance um, was this concept of time and how much time we have in our lives to give to others, to be generous with, even the time it takes to, you know, maybe write a check and put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it or, you know, whatever old school way. But, um, yeah, just... And I was thinking back to um, when Tueri was talking about the three poisons a couple of months ago and how um, when we were talking about, like, aggression and how feeling like you don't have enough time or being in a hurry sort of increases aggression and maybe decreases our ability to be generous. Um, and I don't know if you have any... Um, yeah, comments on how we perceive time and how that affects our ability to
0: to be generous. And so, how we perceive time, or our own sense of how how much time we have available, you know, how much we have to do. So, a lot of it, kind of a auxiliary topic, is that sense of self care, that self. Um, really, yeah, self care, you know, how, how full are you keeping yourself? You know, are you caring for yourself? And time, I think, is one of those ways we all kind of stretch ourselves so thin, right? We, we give and give and give, and sometimes at the end of the day, we just have to give more. And, you know, having that, you know, what is really appropriate? I remember Narayan once told me she was going to, gave me the secret teachings around, being a guiding teacher is that um, no one 's going to ever ask you to work less <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: you know there 's always going to be let 's do more let 's just you know do more and so you have to really kind of take that in that 's that sense of kind of internal integrity is, you know learning you know where that is and i think with with many of us, especially when we, that question comes up, we probably have this sense of of a little bit you touched upon on this last week too, that sense of responsibility or duty. And if we kind of looked at the hierarchy, there would be, you know, maybe work and family and others, and then down at the very, very bottom there might be me <laughs> or my own needs, you know, just in terms of how we order that. And that's it's really it's hard not to have a sense of scarcity or a sense of kind of overcommitting or a sense of resentment that comes up around our giving, if that's the case. So I think a big part of it is, again, this is going, another story from Sharon, is that from the metta practice, is that we, uh, if you've practiced metta, you she practiced metta for quite a while, and her teacher at the end asked her a classic question. Let's say you're walking down the forest, and you have your most cherished friend on your left, and your most hated enemy on the right. And some bandit jumps out and says, I'm going to kill one of you, but you get to choose who it's going to be. So, if you've practiced mental well, and she has, she couldn't kind of distinguish between her care for her dear friend, for her hated enemy, and for herself. They are held equally. Right? And I think for many of us, we have to kind of bring that equality up in our own self. You know, taking ourselves to the forefront. In fact, I would venture to say that many of us, especially if we ask these kind of questions, maybe we should have a practice of being self-generous first and then see see what, what that leads to, see if that doesn't bring that kind of artesian will that, that Jean was talking about. So generosity becomes much more of a natural thing instead of something we're obliged to do or supposed to do. So that would be my, my suggestion because, again, I'm looking at you know, where, where are we identified? Where do we contract around? And we can contract around generosity as much as we want on anything else. And, you know, generosity of time is, is really a, it's really one of those things we can kind of check. How much time am I actually giving to myself versus others? And so it gives you that, that nice feedback around it. So thank you for sharing that, Emery. Thank you. Alright. So we've come to our uh, 9 o'clock hour. So I want to thank everyone for your engagement around the questions. Thank you for the uh, couple new people who visited tonight. Nice to see you. And next week we'll have another talk on generosity. It'll be like a 40-minute talk or so. And then we'll do another cycle of, of small groups the week after that. Alright, so thank you all for engaging and practice your practice and your practice
1: itself is an act of generosity. It perfects everyone around you. Alright, thank you.